Hey everybody, it's Andrew Emerson from Calvary Tabernacle. Welcome back to the podcast. This is our sixth episode, and we're going to dive right into a message from Pastor Carl Vickery entitled, Two Important Things. Acts chapter 10, verse number 1, says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian Band a devout man, and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius, and when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight on two important things. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord one more time? In the name of Jesus. Come on, lift your voice with that hand clap and give God some praise all across the house. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. You may be seated. I, I find it interesting that in the story of Cornelius, there were four things mentioned about him. The Bible says very clearly that he was devout. Somebody shout devout. That he feared God. Y'all with me? Somebody say he feared God. All right. And he gave much alms. Somebody say gave much alms. And he prayed to God always. Everybody get that. Says there's four things. He feared God. He was devout. He gave much alms. And he prayed to God. As important. As these four things are, when the angel appeared to Cornelius, he only mentioned two things, prayer and giving. I want to talk to you a little bit about this tonight. Prayer and giving proves our devoutness and our fear of God. When the angel comes to Cornelius, he didn't say, hey, you're a devout man, Cornelius, and it's made a memorial before God. He didn't come to Cornelius and say, you know, Cornelius, you feared God, and so it made a memorial before God. Your fear and your devoutness has come up as a memorial. That's not what he said. He said, instead, your prayers and your giving has created a memorial before God. God. Now look at your neighbor because I got some of you nervous. Say, Pastor's already taking up the offering tonight. All right, now, I'm, some of you nervous already. Oh my God. Uh, so I'm not worried about the offering tonight. I'm worried about a principle that can bless this church. Uh, matter of fact, I'm going to share some things with you tonight that I really hope that we can get a hold of uh, because I, I created this message and this is going to be one of those ones that I'll go back to Beaumont. I've never preached this before, but I'm going to go back to Beaumont and preach it because the whole church uh, needs to hear uh, what can happen uh, if we can get a hold of some principles uh, of prayer 
uh, and some principles uh, of giving. When we pray uh, and give, uh, God will hear uh, and He will answer. Giving uh, proves the sincerity uh, of our prayers. Does that make sense? In other words, I can't ask God to do something if I'm not sincere enough to do something myself. If I'm not actually doing anything myself. In other words, I, I, I got people like this all in my life that, that, oh, I'm just praying that God give me a new car. Well, you know what? Brother Patrick, you're here. How many times has God walked in when he dodged this week and said, hey, Brother Patrick, I'm going to give somebody this car. It don't happen like that, does it? Uh, not, not being ugly, not being, being mean. That's not how it happens. I've had people say, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm just believing God is going to help my marriage. Uh, well, that's nice. That's great. Uh, but what are you willing to do uh, to help your marriage? Uh, praying, what, how many people say, I'm praying God blesses my finances. Uh, well, let me help you out. When I was a young man, uh, I went through some financial heartache and pain. That's why finances to me is an important thing because I like to, uh, uh, if you will, lost everything and would have lost everything but you know what as much as I prayed I, I ended up having to get up at 4.30 in the morning uh, and be at 5.30 on top of a roof uh, tearing off shingles uh, and putting new ones on uh, I would do that till 9 uh, and then at 10 o'clock be in the youth pastor's office uh, playing and being youth pastor till 4 o'clock uh, after 4 o'clock I was reminded today I would go and start building houses with a man that built houses in our church uh, and then got dark asked my wife uh, at dark come back to the church and play basketball with young people until 10, 11 o'clock at night. Finally get in the bed by 12 or 12.30 and sleep till 4.30 the next morning. All the time praying God bless my finances. And you know what? God did. Uh, he blessed my finances. Uh, he blessed me with the ability to work uh, and do what God had called me to do. Uh, and by surely but slowly uh, I paid that truck off and I paid that credit card off and I prayed this off. What was happening? Uh, I was learning some principles See, the reason some of our lives aren't blessed is because we want to do it our way and have it God's way. Boy. See, some of you, I'm preaching already and I ain't even got past the introduction. Somebody's going to say, well, he's talking, just to, he's just picking on me. I'm not picking on you. I'm trying to preach to you. And I'm preaching to you and to you and to you and to you. Does that make sense? Uh, understand, because why? Because how many want God to bless this church? Right? I mean, how many want God to send great revival? And I'm not, I ain't even heard back from the bank yet, but how many really want to build a building and want to see what God's going to do? Well, let me help you out. It's going to take two principles to make that come to pass. Uh, the first principle is prayer. Uh, if these uh, two traits are not in our lives, uh, then it doesn't matter what other traits are in our lives. In other words, what good does it do for God to bless me if I'm not praying? And if you're not praying, you're straying. <laughs> All right? Uh, you, you want to adjust your attitude? Get back in the prayer room. Uh, and I'm not talking about praying what you want. I'm saying every once in a while you ought to sit down and be quiet and say, God, here I am. Deal with me. Uh, because I, I've got some things in my spirit coming up that I don't know how to deal with. And instead of talking all the time, uh, God, I need you to talk to me. Uh, I need you to fix some things in my spirit. Uh, matter of fact, I told God today, I said, God, you know what? There's some things in my life uh, that you got me in over my head. Uh, you know what that means? I need you more now, God, uh, than I needed you yesterday. Uh, I needed you more this week, God, than I needed you last week. Uh, God, I need you to help me. Uh, and I can't get your help if I'm doing all the talking. 
Prayer and giving prove our devoutness, fear of God, and sincerity. These two things are linked together, prayer and giving. There was a man who was praying for a needy family. And this is supposedly a true story. God, they didn't have nothing to eat. The man began to pray. His young son heard him praying and the boy rode a wheelbarrow into the kitchen and began taking food from the pantry. And his father asked him, what are you doing? And the son replied, answering your prayer. How can we expect God to give if we won't? All right, everybody with me? Now, y'all not upset? Y'all still okay? Everybody all right? The Bible says pray always. Luke 18 and 1 says men ought always to pray and not to faint. Not praying to Jesus says that we're fainting. See, when you begin to slip, the first thing that slips is true prayer. Now, I understand there's a lot of prayer. There's a lot of, oh, bless this food. Oh, now I lay me down to sleep. My four-year-old Sierra learned a new one. She said, I want to do the prayer. Was it Macho's the other night? She said, I want to do the prayer. And I said, okay, you do it. And she said something like this. She said, good bread, good meat, good Lord, let's eat. <laughs> and that was about it. And, and, and we did what you did. I said, oh, hold on. Let's do a little better than that. And, but, but not praying to Jesus says that we're fainting. Many wonder why they're struggling. They use many excuses while the truth is they're just not praying. Does that make sense? They are not giving God a chance in their lives. What is prayer? You want to know why we don't pray? Because we really don't want God's opinion. Does that make sense? Uh, We'll talk to anybody that agrees with us. We'll talk to anybody that tells us what we want to hear. But see, when you really begin to pray, uh, what you're saying is, God, uh, I want your will uh, and not my will. Jesus, uh, when it comes to this type of prayer, uh, sweated drops of blood. Uh, Understand why? Because he said, hey, I really don't want to go to the cross in my flesh. uh, But Lord, I've got to get a hold of your will. And the Bible, according to the Word of God, it took him three hours uh, to really submit his will uh, unto the will of God. Uh, And we think a ten-minute, Lord, I need you, uh, is going to fix things. Uh, and the reality of it is uh, God said look uh, the reason that you're really straying uh, the reason that you're really fainting uh, there is not because you don't have the right pasture uh, it's not because you go to a small church uh, it's not because you live in a small town uh, it's not because the devil's after you uh, it's because you stop really praying uh, and getting my advice uh, in your life uh, because something happens to a man and a woman of God uh, when we begin to really pray uh, and say God not my will but thy will be done how can we become acquainted with a person unless we talk to them marriages struggle because we're not going to talk we'll live it was, y'all probably don't, don't remember this and this is not a godly song but I, I don't know why I stuck in my head as I was preparing this but there used to be an old song that, that, that talked about I'm just a ghost in this house y'all don't act like y'all know it because it wasn't in church alright but it went something like I'm just a ghost in this house I'm just a shadow upon these walls and what it talked about was is we're just living together but we're not communicating a lot of people are just a ghost in the house of God there's no communication going on they're not worshiping they're not praising I know y'all think I'm just an energizer bunny but it's not because I'm an energizer bunny it's because regardless of how I feel when I come into the house of God I want to communicate with Jesus Christ I want to let him know I praise you for your excellent greatness I praise you for your mighty act 
Max. I praise you from the rising of the sun until the going down of the same. The name of the Lord. You know what? We got to get past worrying about what somebody else might think. I've come to worship Him. I don't care about your opinion of me right now. I've come to magnify Him. I realize if I'm going to have relationship with Him, then I've got to talk with Him. Does that make sense? I, I once defined, I don't know, I didn't find it nowhere, but I defined it in my prayer journal. Prayer is open and honest communication with God. Not to God, it's with God. Uh, and how can we become acquainted? I love when people say, oh, I know the Lord. How? You ain't talked to Him. You, you, ain't, you ain't been with Him. Oh, well, I'm not like that. That's not my personality. How many of you have been in a relationship? And I'm being honest. I want some wives to talk to me a second. How many of you have been in a relationship and you say, you're not talking to me? And they're like, well, I'm just not a talker. And you're like, I don't care if you're a talker or not. We got married. It ain't about your personality anymore. It's about our relationship. It's about our need to communicate so that we can know each other. Does that make sense? See, prayer is not about our personality. How many of you, now let me, some, I got a couple of husbands in here. Let some husbands talk to me. How many realize if you're going to have a good marriage, uh, it's not going to be about your personality? Huh? Because every once in a while she's going to look at you and say, I don't care if you like to go out or not. We're going out tonight. I don't care if you like to talk or not. I don't care if it's 2.30 in the morning. We're going to talk tonight. Why? Because it's not about your personality. Prayer is not about your personality. Praise is not about your personality. Understand, worship is not about what somebody else thinks. It is your opportunity to communicate open and honestly with God to build relationship with Him. We'll never understand His ways or His word unless we talk to Him. I mean sincerely talk. Take hold of Him. Take Understand, just talk until we feel his prayer. Have I ever done that? If you haven't, I want to challenge you. I'm going to tell you one of the most powerful things you can do in prayer is go to a place, and I don't care how you sit, but sit somewhere. I mean, even me, I'm a pacer. I like to walk and pray. But every once in a while, some of the most powerful conversations I've had with God is when I set myself down and I just start to talk to God. As a man would his friend and say, God, I am dealing with some stuff right now. I got some areas in my life uh, that I don't know what is going on. Uh, I don't know what is happening. Uh, and God, I need you to help me uh, because I need you to have your way uh, and let me help you out. Those normally aren't five-minute conversations. Uh, and I just help you. If Jesus took three hours uh, in a garden of Gethsemane uh, to really get his mind wrapped uh, around the mind of God. Uh, I'm glad my wife's not in here because she would tell me, she'd use this tonight and say, it took Jesus three hours. You're going to have to talk to me three hours from 11 to 2 and, and, and uh, you know I, I, I'm telling you I, I, the, not the Bible the, the world tells us that women use an average of 75,000 words a day to a man's 25,000 words a day and I promise you my wife saves hers till 11 o'clock she, she must not use very many between daylight and, and 11 o'clock. But about 11 o'clock, she wants to pour out the other 55,000. Uh, understand. Uh, and, I, and I'm out. I'm depleted. I uh, understand. But if it took... Y'all can laugh. Loosen up. It's all right. If it took Jesus uh, three hours uh, to submit His will and truly wrap His mind uh, around the mind of God, uh, then what makes us think uh, that we can do it in 10 minutes? 
minutes uh, that we can do it in 15 minutes uh, if you're going through something uh, you need to get to a place uh, where you can quit worrying about the clock uh, where you can get worried about your schedule uh, we're worrying about it look he looked at his own disciples and said could you not watch just one hour he went back again could you not watch one hour he went back again third time they come and betrayed him and he said nobody understood you want to know why they couldn't watch because it wasn't their neck on the line if it would have been Peter getting crucified he would have stayed up all night you know what that means Jesus couldn't worry about them he couldn't worry about what they thought he couldn't worry about what they were doing he had to get to a place himself that said I've got to get this worked out between me and God because when I get out of this garden I've got to do the will of God regardless of what they do and some people can't do the will of God because they're too busy worried about what somebody else is doing. See, you've got to talk to God. Talking to God can settle you in your walk with God. Does that make sense? Prayer is our access to God. Our soul needs prayer. Is this all right tonight? Can y'all handle just a little teaching on Thursday? It's all right. As the body needs air, our soul needs prayer. Prayer is our lifeline to God, but it's also our lifeline from God. Let me ask you a real question. Don't raise your hand, but just think about it. How many of you got something you're going through right now? Now, how many of you have spent three hours praying about it? I didn't say fighting about it. I didn't say arguing about it. I didn't say debating about it. I didn't say reading about it. I didn't say thinking about it. Praying about it. And let me, let me clear something up. Somebody asked me an important question about prayer one time, and I'll never forget it. He said, Pastor, I don't pray out loud, but I pray in my head. I said, no, that's meditation. That's not prayer. Understand what I'm saying? Prayer is open and honest communication with God. Now, I'll tell you, that's pastor's definition. That's not Webster's, okay? Prayer is open and honest communication. All right? Does that make sense? Uh, I can't meditate and have communication. All right? I told my wife this when we got married. I said, I'm not a mind reader. If you want something, you're going to have to tell me. I, I mean, I, I'd come home and she'd be like, you didn't bring any, any flowers? Didn't know you needed any. <laughs> you didn't pick up no sugar? Didn't know you needed any sugar. You know? You, you didn't uh, stop by and get some pizza? Didn't know I needed to. Well, I just figured you'd have known we've been out since Sunday. No. If you want sugar, you're going to have to tell me. Well, some of you know I'm telling the truth. Well, why didn't you do this? Didn't even think about it. Well, I thought about it. Didn't help me none. Why? Because you're going to have to communicate. See, meditation is your inward man communicating with your own mind. Prayer is your inward man communicating with God's mind. Which means you've got to open, or can't God read my lips or read my mind? The Bible says he knows our thoughts. But it doesn't say he answers our thoughts. It says he answers our prayers. He knows our thoughts, but he said, if you have something, ask me. And whatsoever you shall ask, that shall I do for you. Does that make sense? 
See, he doesn't answer our thoughts. And so many people, they feel like, well, I, I've, been th- you know, I've been praying. I, and no, 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 you've been thinking. Borderline worrying. <laughs> and Jesus said to worry is sin. I mean, we think worry is a light. Oh, I've been so stressed. Get out of that. How do I get out of that, Pastor? By communicating to God. By talking to God. There is something psychologists have proven, scientists have proven. There is something that opens up in your brain when you begin to talk to God. There are neurons that literally start operating when a person enters prayer. Matter of fact, I can, you can look in the medical journal. People that pray to God live longer than people that don't. Matter of fact, the average churchgoer lives three years longer than a person that doesn't go to church. And they attribute it uh, to those that pray to God uh, have a less understand effect of stress uh, upon their lives uh, and we as Christians are walking around in stressed out lives uh, and we're not going to God in prayer we're thinking while we're driving down the road we're thinking on our job we're meditating when we're having our lunch break but nobody's saying I'm not going to meditate I'm not going to think bless God I'm going to pray and by the time I'm done I may be sweating drops of blood but I'm I'm going to give this to God and let Him handle it and let Him answer my prayer. If we take at least an hour to pray every day, we'll begin to understand the Christian life and enjoy living for God. Believe it or not, when you're praying, church services become more exciting. I mean, it just makes sense, folks. Listen to me. Now, let me say this. David said, I meditate in thy word both day and night. Nothing wrong with meditating on his word, but that's not prayer. I know some of you will argue, well, but I was to David meditated. Yes, he did, but he also prayed. <laughs> and meditation never took the place of prayer. I mean, it, it just makes sense. Everything in my world prevents me or tries to pull me down from the house of God and the things of God. Remember Jesus on the cross? What did the world cry? If thou be the Son of God, come down off of that cross. The world's cry will always be come down. When you try to get lifted up in the house of God, the world will say, come off of that. Everything in the world will fight you in trying to come up and trying to live for God. Everything will come against you. Everything will rise against you. But when you get to the house of God, and you begin to talk and begin to pray to God then something happens and all the junk that you've been dealing with all the voices that you've been fighting when you begin to submit them to God and begin to get God's mind wrapped can you imagine what was going through Jesus' mind as he was sweating blood oh this is pointless they're not going to love you no matter how much you die for them I wouldn't die for these crazy people you picked one and he's supposed to be your friend and he betrayed you there's no way I would die. You imagine what he was going through. It wasn't until the third hour that he wrapped his mind around it and said, here, my time has come. I can stand and watch that man. He looked. You talk about being in the mind of God. The man he knew would betray him kissed him on the cheek and said, he, Jesus said, friend. In other words, he was letting us know, don't worry boys, I've already forgiven him because this is the will of God. See, We've got to get to the place where we believe in prayer again. True prayer. Prayer can fix a lot of things if we'll let it. Understand what I'm saying? He answers our prayer. 
Stay with me. In prayer and meditation, understand, don't do all the talking. Let God talk to you in quietness as you pray, as you read. In other words, some of you say, I can't never make it an hour. Get that book, his book, not not. John Maxwell's book, okay? Now, now, and I, I like Maxwell, nothing, but, but that's not the book I take to prayer. Does that make sense? Uh, that's not the book that's going to teach me about God. That's not the book that's going to uh, help me know who God is. I want to get God's book. Uh, and when I was young and couldn't make it an hour and ran out of stuff to say, you know what I would do? I would just start reading. Uh, I'd read Psalms and I'd read the prophets and I would read, uh, you know, whatever, the Sermon on the Mount. And I would let God begin to talk to me. Why? Because I wanted God to know that I was sincere about my prayer. Why? Because that's what brought one of the things uh, that brought the memorial. You understand being a devout man uh, was not what brought the memorial before God. Uh, The angel didn't say nothing about being a devout man. Uh, He didn't even say anything about being a fearful man of God. He said you have prayed and you have given. And that has brought a memorial before God. See giving alms and I, I, I know this is, this is going to get tough, okay? Just, just stay with me, all right? Giving alms, it not only took prayer, but it took giving. Somebody say giving. To make a memorial before God. Now, it said he was devout. It said he feared God. But when the angel recalled it, he said, you've prayed and you've gave. Stay with me. Giving proves the sincerity of prayer. See, prayer, if you will, must cost us something. And we don't like to talk about cost. And we need to talk about cost a little bit. Because too many people have an easy believism theology. That all I got to do is believe and God's impressed. The devil believes. That's the Bible. The Bible says the devil believes. And he even trembles. Understand. And we think, well, all I got to do is believe God and everything will be all right. No, 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 no. What you do is going to be the memorial that is made. That's why I go to church and that gives people the opportunity to give. Giving in worship. Giving in time. You You understand? Think about this. In the Old Testament, a man never went to the temple without an offering. It was a sin. You wasn't allowed in. Wouldn't that be cool? What if I stood at the door and said, you got your offering? No, sir. Okay, you go out. I mean, we don't even want to wait until the offering's taken up. We're just going to establish it in the parking lot. Hey, you got your, I mean, I get, I get parking lot attendance. You got your offering? Uh, no, I, I didn't get paid this week. Well, you, sorry, you got to. Better luck next time. I mean, you know, instead of, I got signs in our parking lot that say, no big trucks. What if it said, nobody allowed without offering? <laughs> I mean, it sounds crazy. But Jesus took giving seriously. I mean, when you look at all the offerings in the Old Testament, it was a big deal. Understand, tithes are essential. Offerings are essential. All right. Years ago, I heard of a church in Columbus, Georgia, where a visiting preacher just said this, and this is a true story. He said, how would God bless this church if instead of 10%, you gave 20% tithe? Now, I'm just telling you the story. Okay, don't anybody have a heart attack, all right? 
But this is what he said, honest to God. Without a word from the pastor, the congregation began to give more. Since that time, men have been promoted on jobs. Businesses have more than doubled. There's more excitement in the church services, and they have the money to do different works in the church and the city, like orphanages, daughter works. Understand, in Columbus, Georgia to this day, now, I'm not preaching 20% tithe. Don't walk out of here and say, Pastor, so we already do 20% tithes. Just tell you what happened. In other words, they didn't necessarily give 20% tithes when you research it. But they got a concept that said, you know what? I can give more than what I'm doing. Why? Because here's where the tie-in is, and I'll hurry. Because I'm asking God to do more. Does that make sense? Uh, I know I'm not bragging on this, but you want to know why I give at the Beaumont campus and then I give at this campus? You want to know why? Because I'm asking God to do more. Other preachers don't, do, don't have to do that. Why? They're not asking God to do what I'm asking God to do. But see, I'm praying God bless this campus uh, and bless that campus. Uh, and i got to put my money uh, where my prayer is. i got to put my money where my mouth is. Uh, in other words, I can't just give to the Beaumont campus uh, and expect God to do something uh, at this campus. Does that make sense? Uh, I'll never forget it. I'm not bragging or boasting. These chairs you sit on, I'll never forget ripping out those old pews uh, and, and those Remember those green fuse? Y'all remember those uh, heavy old fuse? Dear God, they were built from gopher wood from the ark or something. That was the heaviest fuse I'd ever picked up. Uh, and, 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 you know, and we didn't have anything, uh, but I went out and bought these chairs. Uh, and it don't look like much, I get it, but there's $6,000 worth of chairs you're sitting on. I said, that's right, not $600, $6,000 worth of chairs uh, that you're sitting on. Uh, and I understand why. You say, well, why would you do that? Why, why, why? Other preachers would ask, why would you do that? Why? Because I want God to fill them up and if I want God to fill them up then I've got to be I can't just pray God fill up the chairs and not buy no chairs I can't say hey God bring us revival and not get the church ready for revival you see it is a correlation that says what are you asking God to do and your giving should match what you're asking God to do well that's tough ain't it see I knew this wasn't going to be a popular sermon because I'm going to just tell you the two toughest things in Christian disciplines is giving and prayer. Nobody's running the aisles tonight. I don't think Brother Andrew's thinking right now, I'm going to sing victory in Jesus. Victor, you know. He's probably hoping I don't even call him up for an altar call. Just, whoo, I ain't got a song that says pray and give. You know, you might pray and give, pray and give, pray and give, pray and give, you know. Why? Because we normally don't even correlate the two. But it's amazing when you go ask somebody, hey, will you mow my yard? What will you give me? Hey, will you give me that car? What would you pay for it? Everywhere else in our life, prayer and giving go hand in hand. You ask for something, that you're willing to give something for. But when we come to the kingdom, we want God to do it for nothing. We want a great marriage, but we don't want to give nothing. God just fixed my marriage. Okay. Never seen it happen. God just fixed my finances. No. You're going to have to give something. God just fixed our church. No. That's why people don't like... Uh, you know, this kind of preaching because I'm not rah, rah, re kicking in the knee. 
But if we could get a hold of something tonight. See, so many people in our world think all I got to do is ask. All right? All I got to do is ask, and God will take care of it. Who does that? Babies. Not grown people. See, babies get to ask, and if they're in a good home, a good environment, it gets given. You know, when Karis cries, you don't say, Oh, Karis, what are you willing to do for that, Baba? You know, you just give it to her as quick as you can get it to her. <laughs> you know, because she's a baby, right? But I was preaching last night and I ran across something that blew my mind a little bit. I just never saw it like this. Paul says, I am the least of the apostles. That's what he said. Y'all, y'all, y'all talk, you know, keep reading. He says, I'm the least. He says, matter of fact, I didn't even make the first cut. In other words, I, I was a bonus apostle. He picked 12, then picked Matthias to replace Judas, and then picked me. I was the last apostle. You look at it. He was the last official apostle picked by the hand of God. He says, and it's rightfully so, because I persecuted the church. He says, but don't worry. God made me suffer double what any other apostle did. In other words, Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He says, I've started more churches. I've seen more miracles. I have seen God do more things than any of the other apostles. But that ain't what he stopped at. He said, but I've also been beaten more than any of the other apostles. I've been shipwrecked more. I went through double stuff to be the apostle that I am. See, there's a mount that says, God, I want you to do this in my life. And God says, what are you willing to give? Think about it. He said, it's become a memorial. See, giving, understand, proves the sincerity. I mean, think about it. If somebody wants to get married, what, they give a dowry. They give an engagement ring if you're lucky. You know, they, 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 they go get a house. What are they doing? They're proving I'm sincere in asking your hand. Maybe God's not answering a lot of our prayers because we're really not sincere. We want God to do all the work and we get all the benefit. Stay with me, I'm hurrying. What would happen? You imagine if this church, I'm talking about us right here, I'm not talking about you know, we, I think we look at it like this. Oh, yeah, God's going to bless our church, and somebody's going to come in here, and they're just going to give, 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 and God, we're going to build that new building. <laughs> and God looks at it going, you're praying for a building, start giving. What are you willing to give for it? Matter of fact, I believe you can give your way out of a dilemma. Let me show you an example. Now, this is a true story. I'll never forget, I was young, we was working, I was working in Houston, and y'all may have never had this happen to you, but I'll never forget, I had this week that was just seemed like the enemy wouldn't leave me alone. And normally my life was pretty good. I was making over $100,000 a year, my wife was making about $40,000 a year, and you know, we were doing pretty good for some 20-year-old kids, just being realistic with you. All in one week, my truck had a flat, not, not joking. Monday morning truck had a flat. Get that fixed. Driving to work, another flat. 
get that fixed. Driving back home, I ran the guy. You know, nothing horrible, thank God, but I got to deal with it. Get up the next morning, another flat. This is a brand new truck, pretty much. I mean, it's not like a worn out piece of junk. This is a pretty good newer truck. All of a sudden, something hits me and says, something's wrong. By the time I get home, I've gotten a bad phone call. I've had a wreck. I'm on my third flat. <laughs> All right? Stay with me. And I said, something is devouring me. And I don't mind sharing with you. I got home, and I started looking over my finances. I used a little program called Time and Chaos at that time, and it had a little finance program in it. And I was looking and looking and looking. And I, I'm, I'm sad to admit this, but it's true. I noticed I had gotten a check deposited, you know, automatic deposit, but I never wrote a tithe and offering check on it. It was about 11 o'clock by the time I figured this out. Honestly, God. I called Brother Neelan. I said, hey, Brother Neelan, I, I got to come over. He says, it's 11 o'clock. So, and I said, he lived right down the road from me. I said, I said, I, I, I'm not going to keep you up. It's not a council. I'm not trying. I don't need counseling. But I've got to give you something. He says, what is it, son? I said, Brother Neelan, it's my tithe and offering check. He said, it can wait. Till no, 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 no. It can't wait till tomorrow. <laughs> I said, I cannot let it wait till tomorrow. He goes, okay, uh, I, I, all right, just come. I said, I promise. All I got to do is put it in your hand, and I'm gone. Wrote the check out, making a long story short. Went over there. I said, forgive me, I missed this. Somehow we had went out of town and we had missed it. And now it was, uh, and I know this sounds silly. It's like, you know, God wouldn't punish me. I know you're thinking, oh, God was punished. No, 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 no. God was teaching me. There's a difference between punishment and teaching. Honest to goodness, I put that check in his hand. And my wheat leveled out. I learned. Because, you know, we don't really see this. But when things come against me, I just start praying and giving more. That sounds tough. I know it's, oh, well, it must be nice to be able to give. No, no. I don't give out of my abundance. I don't give because I'm rich. I don't give because I got plenty of money. Does that make sense? I give because I want God to do something in my life. I want God to answer the prayers uh, that I've been praying. And I want God to know, hey, I'm serious. Uh, and you know what happens? Uh, when you begin to give, uh, you begin to get invested. Uh, and God says, you know what? I can trust Him. Because when you're invested in something, you're not likely to walk away from it. Uh, when you're invested in something, uh, you're not likely to quit it. Uh, and the only thing that can get you invested uh, is your giving. Does that make sense? I don't care what kind of lip service we give each other. Stay with me. I'll hurry. All right? Your attitude in prayer and giving will determine your outcome. Your attitude will determine. In other words, some people give, well, bless God, got to do this. Some people will tonight say, here, Pastor, here's an extra five. Let's see what God does. Okay? Now, don't, I'll take the five, but you're not going to get nothing for it. <laughs> My point is, your attitude is going to determine. Cornelius gave prayer and alms and made a memorial, the Bible says. 
What have we done to make a memorial? In other words, it got so big. This is what it literally means. The memorial got so obvious that God had to notice it. It got God's attention. And God said, hey, Cornelius, really you don't even belong in my fold. <laughs> but you've made such a memorial. In other words, Cornelius, you don't deserve this. But you made such a memorial. I remember when I was in Dallas, there was bankers, there was pilots, uh, you know, commercial pilots, there was construction owners, there was business owners, all in the church. I'll never forget this. It, it burns Brother Stanley up to this day. But I was doing the finance at the end of the year, and we had we had the CEO of Chase Bank in our church at that time. We we had uh, several business owners, construction owners. Pilots, all kinds of people, you know, and, and we're talking about the Dallas Metroplex area. And I'll never forget, I did all the finances, I got all of our reports together, and I was just curious. It wasn't a pride thing really at first. It, I had to pray through over that later, but I, at first it wasn't. I was just curious on my little assistant pastor salary. Brother Andrew, I had given the second largest amount to the Vision Fund. Now, I wish I could tell you that was hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> but it wasn't. It was just I gave faithfully every week to people that would, you know, every once in a while drop $100 in every once in a while and thought they were doing some good. And here I was just faithfully giving $50 a week, $50 a week, $50 a week, $50 a week. At the end of the day, the only person ahead of me was Pastor Stanley himself. And I went to him, I said, Bo, we got a problem. <laughs> We're not going to build a church. Okay, and please, I know I'm using this story, but it, I'm, I'm just trying to, I hadn't even heard from the bank what they're going to say. That ain't what this sermon's about. I'm trying to get us to get principles, okay? I said, We're not going to build a church. He goes, Why not? You know, got to know Brother Stanley. Why not? I said, Well, you gave the most, <laughs> and I gave the second most. And I probably make some of the least in this church. You know, I'm the assistant. I'm not the pastor. And I said, and I didn't give that much, but I'm second. And I'll never forget, well, my God, we're going to have to do something. Bless God, we're gonna have, they got to do better than that. But it turned him around and he began to talk about the principles of giving. And I watched. They built a $5 million complex and only had to borrow $1.2 million of it. They had $3.8 million. Understand, in five years. Because people... And let me help you out. This church only runs about 250 people. We're not talking about, you know, a monstrous megaplex church. Ran about 250 members, about the size of our Beaumont campus. And in five years, raised $3.8 million to break ground on a building. But that ain't all. People got promoted, people got blessed, excitement built. They loved the church they were invested in. They cared about the services they were paying for. Does that make sense? They cared about 
what people thought about their church that they were giving to because they had realized, I'm going to make a memorial before God. And God began to work miracles in the church. Why? But because it came as a memorial before God. Ananias and Sapphira withheld. We know this. They lied about their giving and received death. God killed that couple in the New Testament church because they withheld and lied about it. In 2 Samuel chapter 24 and verse 24, Odin had a threshing floor for threshing grain. David wanted to buy the threshing floor to make it into an altar for sacrificing to God. Odin said, no, I'll give it to you. Y'all know the story, but David said, no, I will surely buy it of thee at a price. I quote, neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. Malachi 3 and 10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Prove me now. There's the only place it says this. Prove me now wherewith, saith the Lord, if I will not open unto you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. How many would like that to happen here? Does that make sense? I'm, I'm talking about what would happen, Pastor? Well, let's, what if we tied our prayers to our giving? In other words, when you come down, it's not, oh, God. It's, it's, hey, I've come, and God, I'm expecting you to do something in my life. God, I'm giving, and I'm expecting. I, I, I believe it. I, I think we got it wrong, because here's what we preach. God, I'm giving 100. I expect 1,000. What if we start expecting God just to answer our prayers and work in our life as he sees fit. In other words, I may not need a thousand, but I need you to heal my body. I may not need a thousand, but I need you to save my child. I may not need another thousand, but I need you to bless, understand my marriage. I need you to bless my home. I need you to bless my family. I need you to make a way where there is no way. Because here's what we do. Well, I gave and I didn't get no pay raise. Maybe it wasn't the pay raise that it was tied to. Maybe it was the fact you're not at Texas Children tonight. Maybe it's not the fact that you're not at MD Anderson tonight. Does that make sense? Uh, maybe it's the fact that you're healthy enough and got a job to go to tomorrow. See what I'm saying? And what if we just got excited about, you know what, I'm asking God to do some things. How many, again, you're asking God to do some stuff in your life? You want God to do something great in you. I do. I want God to send this place apostolic revival like we've never seen. I want to walk out here on a Thursday night and I have to buy some more chairs. Uh, I've already told God, God, I'll buy whatever chairs we need. Uh, you just get the people here. Help me get the people here so that we can. I have to buy. It ain't going to hurt my feelings. Uh, I have to buy more chairs. Uh, we'll go out and get some more chairs. Uh, but God, I want to see you do it. See, all of our trouble, all of our trouble comes from a lack of these two things. Praying and giving. Withholding from God stops his blessings from flowing and not communicating from God, or to God rather, with God, stops him from being able to bless your life. You don't believe me? Let's, let's try something. Stop communicating with your boss. Blessings aren't going to flow. Stop communicating with your children. Love and blessings isn't going to flow. Stop communicating with your spouse. 
love and blessings aren't going to flow. Stop communicating with God. And you're holding up your own blessings. Back in the 1960s, I was reading a book I bought at Men's Conference. Back in the 1960s, a few people in our church were struggling very much, as the book said, not me, the book in the church I was reading about. They were sick and in and out of the hospitals, suffered job loss, were unhappy, fearful, and on the verge of backsliding. The pastor said, I prayed to God, wondering what was wrong. I went to my filing cabinet, opened it up, and found receipts from a few years back and had, that had not been picked up. They were receipts for the people that I was so worried about. I realized that these people had ceased paying their tithes and offerings. And then I understood why they were battling the things they were battling. Giving is an act of faith. And without faith, the Bible tells us it's impossible to please God. Acts chapter 10. Now close. Acts chapter 10 was the birthplace of the Gentile church. Cornelius was the first Gentile in the church. And he was devout. He feared God. He gave much alms. And he prayed to God always. If that's the first convert of the Gentile church, should we be any less? Don't you think God is looking for the same things from us as the Gentile church today? If we're going to make, I mean, how many would like for God to say that what they've done, I can't ignore it. That's what a memorial means. It means it's gotten so great, God couldn't ignore it. Wow, that's the kind of life I want. I want my life to be that place where God says, I can't ignore you no more, Pastor Vickery. I've flown over Winnie so many times, but y'all have made it to where i got to stop now. I went by that little church. I used to say little church on Chamberlain Drive. Now it's a little church on FM 1406, but I can't wait till we build that memorial so big that God says i got to stop in there and i got to bless that church because I just can't fly over it anymore. I just can't send an angel anymore. It's become a memorial to me. What would happen in our lives if we literally started working on our memorial in heaven? Giving and praying results in God's blessing. You can think I'm crazy, but let me, you say, how's this work with revival? I'll close with this. I'm reading the same chapter, chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words at Cornelius' house, hear me, understand, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. You know what that tells me? That Cornelius built a memorial before God with his 
his praying and with his giving. And what that did was bring apostolic revival to Cornelius' house. You wonder, well, what good am I really doing when I give? You're bringing revival. Well, what good am I really doing when I pray? You're bringing revival. And here's the truth. That revival may very well be the revival that you've been asking for in your own house. It may be the restoration that you've been asking God for. It may be the healing that you've been asking God for. It may be, I'm going to tell you, I didn't even say this last night. I forgot to share it, but I was teaching Bible study Tuesday. And, and I mean, we had a great Bible study. I mean, the Spirit of God moved in that apartment complex and that, in that little room we were in. The Spirit of God moved in and it was awesome. I stayed till like 6.45. Normally I'm supposed to be done at 6, but they've, they've gotten used to giving me five more minutes. We start at 5, but I didn't get through to 6.45. <laughs> and, and I got through, and I left, and I was at the Shell Station. Brother Anderson, who was at the Bible study, comes running up or driving up. And he says, Pastor, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? He said, you remember that man you prayed for here a while back? He couldn't walk. His feet were messed up, and they were going to do surgery on him. And I said, yeah, I remember that. He said, well, when you left, uh, about five seconds after you walked out the door, we tried to catch you. He said, when you left, that man came walking into that Bible study. And he said, I hadn't had surgery. But when your pastor prayed for me, uh, God healed my feet uh, understand you can think whatever you want to think but there's something about praying uh, and there's something about giving uh, under, I know it sounds crazy but what if the revival that you're praying for and, and you start coupling with saying God I know I'm asking a lot uh, but I'm going to back it up uh, and I'm going to invest in it uh, what if it's the uh, revival that's coming to your house uh, what if it's your daughter that you're going to save uh, what if it's your son that you're going to save what if it's your son or daughter or mother or father or family what if the next blessing down the pipe comes right to your house. I've noticed this about God. You don't ever know who the next one is. That's why I think Paul said rejoice with them that rejoice. Because your day's coming if you'll just keep rejoicing. Don't get bitter. Don't get mad. Don't get bent out of shape. Uh, if somebody else gets blessed, I just know, oh, blessings are flowing. And as long as blessings are flowing, I'm eventually going to be in next. Uh, does that make sense? Uh, as long as I can keep the blessings flowing, uh, I'm eventually uh, going to be next in line. Eventually, it's going to be my family. I've got a young man in our Beaumont campus, nine years, nine years, the Lord I don't know why, but the Lord would come to him on a Sunday night or a Sunday morning and say, Brother DJ, your family's going to be here. The Lord said, don't give up. Brother DJ, your family's going to make it. Don't you dare give up. He's been here. He's played the drums for us a couple of times. Nine years, he'd get discouraged and say, everybody. I mean, one time he come to me, he said, he said, why is their family getting saved? And Pastor, I've been praying for my family. I said, don't worry. You may be next. Don't you dare get discouraged. You may just be next. And he'd go another while. And something else, somebody else's family would come in. He'd come up to me, not being mean. He just, you know, young Christian. And he, he said, Pastor, how come their family's coming in and my family ain't coming in? I said, don't worry, Brother DJ. You may be next. Uh, finally, nine years later, uh, understand, uh, every family member in his household uh, is now filling up chairs uh, at the Beaumont campus uh, because young man said, I'm not going to give up. Uh, my family may just be next. Uh, my family might be the next one uh, that God wants to add to the church. Uh, my family might be the next one. There's something about staying faithful to prayer. Staying faithful to giving. It adds to the church. So I'll stand tonight. I don't need a musician. I'll, I'll give you a break. I know you're... 
I know you're working on that praying and giving song. <laughs> I love y'all. Y'all know that? I love y'all. I love this church. I want God to let us get a hold of this. That we start backing our prayers up with the giving of our lives. You understand, I'm not just talking about money. Although money is where most people's heart is, but the reality is, in other words, people that don't like talking about giving normally have a heart problem. Not a money problem. They typically have a heart problem. Their heart's in the wrong place. That's why Jesus said where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You want to know why some people don't care about the church? They don't have no treasure here. They don't have no investment. I can prove it to you. How many of you realize today that Starbucks stock market price fell a little bit? You want to know why you don't know? Because you probably don't own no Starbucks stock. But let me guarantee you something. If you own Starbucks stock, you'd know. Why some of you don't care about Sunday school? Because you don't got no kids there. You know why some of you don't care about outreach? Because you don't have nobody you're praying for that's lost. You don't know some of you don't care about bus ministry because you don't want to pick up nobody. Some of you don't care if we ever buy another van or not because you don't care if anybody gets on it or not. There's no treasure. Jesus wasn't saying wherever the treasure is, understand, just put, he was saying wherever your treasure is, your heart's going to follow. See, people preach that wrong. They say your treasure follows your heart. No, 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 no. Your heart follows your treasure. So wherever you put your treasure, that's where your heart is going to be. Think about it. You didn't care what the school did until you had kids that went there. <laughs> then all of a sudden, you care what kind of teachers. You care what kind of policies. Why? Because you had treasure there. The truth is, if we can get our treasure in the kingdom of God, then we'll care about what happens in the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? That's why some people can walk away easy from the church. They don't have no treasure. Nothing's invested. They don't care if it makes it or breaks it. It don't matter to them. There's other people that will hold on for dear life and fight tooth and toenail because everything they've got is invested into the kingdom. What if tonight we begin to back our prayers up? Because I've been preaching prayer. Y'all know that. I've been talking, getting the prayer room. I was in there tonight. I'm going to be in there every time before service that I can make it. And I'm not, I'm not going to back away from it. We need to be in the prayer room. And I'm not just talking about making noise. We need to be asking God to do big, great things in our life. Amen. All right? But what if we begin to back it up by giving and saying, God, I believe in what I'm praying. Everywhere else in the Bible, when great revival took place, at one point, y'all know this, in the city of Jerusalem, they just began to give. They had all things in common. Why were they doing that? Because we believe in this. We want God to do something greater. 3,000 ain't nothing. We want to see 5,000. 5,000 ain't nothing. We want to see 8,000. 8,000 ain't nothing. We want to see 10,000. 
and they just begin to give. And whatever you have need, let's just give and get. And what are we doing? We're believing in what we're praying. We're believing God is going to do something great in our midst. I want God to bless this church. But I am praying a futile prayer unless we start to give to the kingdom like we never have before. I love this message, very challenging message that our pastor preached here at the Winnie campus and two principles uh, that we really sometimes forget. They're very simple principles all over the Bible, all over scripture to pray, of course, without ceasing and to give that God set up this, this, uh, formula for us to be successful in living for God. I was just reading about giving, um, and I'm going to talk just a little bit about it, but I, I was reading about giving in a book entitled Spiritual Disciplines by Robin Johnston and Karen Myers. Very excellent book. You should go get it, purchase it, order it online. Uh, it's a very awesome book. But one of the disciplines it talks about is giving. And sometimes we don't see giving as a discipline, but it really is. And what I mean by discipline is it has to be learned we have to train ourselves. That's what discipline is. Discipline is like getting up every morning and doing the same thing. Discipline is training your body to get in shape. That's discipline. Discipline is training yourself not to eat those bad foods. But there's also a discipline of giving. Because realize when we were born in this world, we naturally were born as takers. Take, take, take. We cried, we got a bottle. We threw a fit, we got a toy. Then when we got a little bit older, maybe six years old, we started writing lists down for our mom and our dad, showing them toys that we wanted for Christmas. Take, take, take. And hopefully, naturally, we mature out of that and begin to give. But how about in the kingdom of God? Now, this might sting a little bit, but when Paul called those people in the Corinthians babes in Christ, he said, you have need of milk when you should be eating the meat. Jesus said, I have meat that you know not of. Paul said, you're not eating the meat that Jesus has for you. You're still on the milk. And this is what Paul brings out. He says, you ought to be teaching by now. You yourselves should be teaching for all that you know and for how long you've been in this truth. You should be teaching someone else. What Paul was saying was, you should be giving into the kingdom of God. By now, you ought to be investing in people around you, but you still have need of milk. You still have the need to take and to receive. Jesus taught this principle when he said it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And that boggles our mind because we think that, no, if I receive, I'm getting something, I'm gaining something. But Jesus said, no, it's more blessed to give. This is where real freedom and fulfillment begins. When we begin to give and invest in people around us, invest in the kingdom of God, invest in our families, invest, invest, invest. This is what Pastor really pushed and drove home was the point of investing. 
that where my treasure is, that's where my investment's going to be. I'm going to give of myself. I'm going to give of my own life into what I love and what I'm passionate about. We were in staff meeting the other day, and he was uh, talking about this, that if I didn't love pastoring, it would be a drudgery to get up and preach. He said, how crazy would it be for me to say, oh, I got to preach now. I got to get up and minister. I got to go to the hospital and pray for somebody. I'm a youth pastor. How, how, how much of a disservice would it be to the kingdom of God if I said, oh, I got to go help a young person's life now. I got to go to the school and minister. I got to teach a Bible study. Oh, I got to have youth service. But sometimes as Christians, we get in such complaint mode when it comes to the kingdom of God. When our hands are to the plow, we complain. When we're actually being used of God, we gripe and we're not grateful. But the powerful principle of giving is that we not just give, but we also have the right spirit in our giving. See, I don't get up and say, oh, I've got to go to the school and I've got to go help some young people out. No, it excites me. It's my passion. And that's where this scripture comes to life. Where my treasure is, there my heart will be also. Whatever I love, I am going to invest in that love. I love my wife, but guess what? I also invest time for my wife. I set aside time for us to take vacation. I set aside money and and I invest in our marriage because it's important to me. But if it's not important to us, then we won't invest. I can lie to myself and say, you know, I don't have to invest in the things that I love. I don't have to give into the kingdom of God. I don't have to do those reasonable things that, that Paul talks about, being a living sacrifice. I don't have to do that. Well, if I don't do that, though, it really proves my love for the kingdom of God. But if I love the kingdom of God, then I will invest in the kingdom of God. If I love youth ministry, then I'm going to invest in youth ministry. If I love sound ministry, I'm going to invest in the sound ministry. Whatever my passion is, it will show and be proven by my level of investment. That's the principle, the discipline of giving. That I was a taker when I was younger, but now that I'm a giver, I have found my passion and I'm investing in those passions. I'm investing in the kingdom of God. That's the challenge that we have. And that really, to me, is the proven fruit that Paul probably was looking for and most pastors are looking for in today's society. You say you're passionate. You say you love God. But where's the fruit? Where, where's your investment? Where is your heart? Where is your treasure? But if I'm just a taker and I just take, 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 then I might be a babe in Christ and not realizing it. Now, let me, let me backtrack a little bit. To be a babe in Christ is not a bad thing. If that's the place that you are at and God has just brought you into the kingdom. But this is where Paul's frustration was. How long are you going to have divisions among you? How long are you going to act as a body of Christ that is divided? 
Get together, be unified as one body, exhort and edify one another, lift each other up, don't cut each other down. This is really the fruit of maturity, giving and prayer, those two principles. And when we're talking about prayer, we're really looking at worship. Prayer and giving ties into one another. My worship unto God is my prayer life. My prayer life is my connection to Jesus Christ. And in the Old Testament, every time someone got up to worship, there was a sacrifice that was required. Every single time. Essentially, worship requires three things. It requires sacrifice, it requires obedience, and it requires activity. Those three things is what defines worship. Obedience sacrifice, and lastly, activity. I love the point that Pastor made when he said that you cannot meditate or think, and that is prayer. Can I just think on the Word of God? Can I just think? Can't God hear my thoughts? But that's not the way prayer works. God operates through us vocalizing activity, vocalizing our requests, or even other people's requests. And what I find about Uh, about my own prayers is that most of the time when I'm praying God leads me to pray for other people besides myself and then we go back to giving we go back to sacrifice because I'm putting myself aside and and following the will of God and saying God lead me in prayer what do you want me to pray for